Hello, hello, and welcome to the Wayward Podcast, where the word paves the way. I am so glad that you are here today. I'm glad that you were able to join me. I hope that your day is going well. If you are a returning listener, I want to thank you so very much for joining me here once again. I hope the content here helps to add uh, a kind of value to your life, to your thoughts, to your understanding of God's Word, to your relationship with God and His people. And if you are a new listener, I want to welcome you. Welcome, welcome. It is good to see you here on the way. If you like what you hear, I'd love it if you would subscribe at wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening or watching on the YouTube page, I'd love to have you like and subscribe there. I'm in the process of trying to build this podcast and improve its content and just uh, expand its potential and reach and provide people with value, and I'd love to get your help with that. So thank you and welcome. So a few weeks ago, I started a whole new series on the story of Scripture. And so far, I think we are about two episodes in, and... In the last two weeks, we have tried to explore Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So, kind of going at a snail's pace here, but that's okay. Uh, I think think that has been going all right. Uh, One of the central points that we started off with in Genesis 1-1 was that God's presence preceded existence. And this main point, it sets the scene for the whole scriptural story. And before we, do, uh, d- before we dove into this story, it was important that we acknowledged God's existence before this story. The pre-existing presence of God. And we'll dive into more about that shortly because that framework is um, important to where we're going here today. But after establishing that framework in our second episode we discussed verse 2 and how God's presence came sweeping over the raw materials of existence and how the act of creation in Genesis is more like the giving of function to existence. So that is basically what we have established so far here in Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. So if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, I encourage you to go do so. I'll wait, <laughs> then come back right here and listen to this one. So there, uh, there is an order to it all. Um, so my intent at the end of those two episodes was to move forward into the specifics of the creation story in Genesis 1. But when I sat down with the text to prepare... I realized that there is both a detail and a pattern that really should be discussed first. And at first I thought it I might just mention it, you know, and mention it, emphasize it and then move on. But the more I sat with it, the more I felt this detail and pattern deserved its own episode. I am not trying to test your patience. I I just don't want to hurry. I I believe that this detail and pattern matters enough to take our time. Because 
I believe that ultimately this detail and pattern will shape and undergird everything that follows from here. So this shall be our focus for today. So I hope you're excited. I am um, um, just kind of getting into this material, this content, and just kind of thinking about it and just contemplating it and just kind of working with it has just been such a joy. And it's just been kind of uh, kind of a way to just, you know, experience wonder again. So I really hope that you enjoy it. I hope that the content just speaks to you. I hope that you get to experience a sense of wonder as well. So, all right. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. And like I said, the text here is about to move into the actual story of creation, where God begins to give function to this disordered existence. But before it can do that, there is a detail that appears right at the beginning of verse 3. And that detail is the phrase, Then God said. Then God said. That's the detail. God spoke. And what makes this detail extra fascinating is what happens after God speaks. The whole verse 3 reads, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God spoke, and something happened. God spoke, and function emerged. And what makes this detail even more fascinating is that it begins to happen again and again as a recurring pattern. God spoke, and something happened. In verses 6, verses 9, verses 11, verses uh, 14, verse 20, verse 24, verse 26, God spoke, and function emerged. Now, we won't get into those specific functions that emerged today. Since what did emerge stemmed from the fact that God spoke, that detail is what we will focus on today. And that detail brings up a few questions. One possible question is, what is it about God speaking that specifically stimulates creation? or gives form to function. And a second possible question is, how might this all impact how we visualize or understand the Word of God? So to answer that first question, what is it about God speaking that specifically stimulates creation or gives form to function? To answer that first question, let's return to that framework that I mentioned earlier. In the first episode, we established that God's presence preceded existence. Okay? The pre existing presence of God is what sets the scene for the entire scriptural story. But if we break it down even more, what does this framework really have to say about God's presence? If we break it down further, I think it can be discerned within this creation text, that God's presence is preeminent. 
a presence that is superior or sovereign. I think it can also be discerned that God's presence is predominant, possessing power and authority over all things. And since in verse 2, we observe that a spirit or wind from God came into the chaotic darkness, sweeping over the waters to some degree, we can also argue that God's presence is pervasive or capable of spreading throughout or transcending all things. We can also see that God's presence entails personhood. God is not just an abstract thing, but a being. God's presence also possesses perceptiveness, capable of envisioning creation's functions and designs. And we also see that God's presence is productive, meaning God's presence is creative and industrious. And finally, God's presence is purposeful, appropriating unto existence designs and functions that would sustain and preserve creation. So when we talk about how God's presence preceded existence, this is the kind of presence that we're talking about, which leads us to also conclude that this is the kind of presence that informs God's ability to speak. It is God's presence that animates God's spoken word. God's preexistence is the only reason God's word was able to speak into the void of non-existence. God's preeminence is the only reason God's word had the right to tell non-existence what to do. God's power is the only reason God's word was capable of bringing existence and function into being. God's pervasiveness is the only reason God's word was able to spread throughout the cosmos. God's personhood is the only reason God's word possesses the quality of reason. God's perceptiveness is the only reason God's word is able to address what existence needs. God's productivity is the only reason God's word can generate existence's energy. God's purposefulness is the only reason God's word infuses existence with design. So what is it about God's spoken word that stimulates creation or gives form to function? It is that God's spoken word is the cosmic echoing expression of God himself. So when we take this framework of God's pre-existence, God's preeminence, his power, his pervasiveness, God's personhood, perceptiveness, productivity, and God's pers- pur- purposefulness, which is all knitted together as God's presence, and we join it to the imagery that we are given in verse 2 
of a wind from God sweeping over the face of the waters, it paints a magnificent picture. We visualize the celestial spirit wind from God that comes dancing upon the cosmic waters of unformed existence. And in verse 3, we now begin to behold how from out of this sacred wind come whispers and utterances that begin to synthesize existence itself. And what I think we are being given to understand here is that from out of God's spoken word, wisdom with a will is being released to assemble and order existence. Now, throughout this conversation, I am employing theological language and vocabulary to have this discussion because that is the language used by the original writers and audience of Genesis. I believe this wisdom could have familiar synonyms, whether it is the rules of physics, the invisible language of mathematics, or the principles of biology. All of these interactive building blocks of matter and life amount to the wisdom with a will that is deeply embedded within the designs and desires of this celestial wind. And if we look at the scriptures, we see that ancient Israel also held to this imagery. For example, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 through 20 reads, The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds drop down the dew. And in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 22 through 31, wisdom herself proclaims to the reader, The Lord created me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. From eternity, I, wisdom, was established from the beginning, from the earliest of times of the earth. When there, was no, when there were no ocean depths, I, wisdom, was born. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I, wisdom, was born. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I, wisdom, was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set a boundary for the sea so that the water would not violate his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I, wisdom, was beside him as a master workman, and I was his delight daily." rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of mankind. So yes, as we see in the this uh, scripture passage from Proverbs, existence is composed by, built on, and functions through the wisdom of God. And to bring this this uh, sub point back to the main point, 
this vast wisdom of God is what is embedded within and contained by the spoken cosmic word of God. In Psalm 30, chapter 33, verses 6 and 9, we read, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all their starry host by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The spoken cosmic word went out from the wind of God and brought all things into existence, and function. It is the song of the Spirit that sings life majestically into existence, that brings life beautifully into being. So, with that discussed, how might this impact how we visualize or understand the Word of God? I have a few suggestions here to, for you to consider. Um, I'm sure that you know there might be others that I haven't considered, but just here's a here's a few. One, this uh, uh, this way of visualizing or understanding the Word of God, it expands how we perceive the dimensions of God's cosmic Word. Much of the time when we think or talk about God's Word, we're usually limiting God's Word to the confines of the Scripture text. And that's fine, because Scripture is God's Word. It is that special revelation, inspirationally unveiled in the minds, lives, and stories of God's people to record, recite, and repeatedly practice. But before that special revelation was ever unveiled into the minds of God's people, the reality of that cosmic word or that wisdom with a will pre-existed and resided within the mind of God. So the reality of God's word goes way beyond the textual documents, preserving its unveiled truths. The reality and dimensions of God's Word are cosmic-wide and spirit-deep. So having this multidimensional understanding of God's Word is a gift. It's an invitation to perceive and wonder at God's spoken word as something so magnificent that it stretches and fills the length, width, height, and depth of this universe. It enables us to marvel at God's spoken word as the music of creation. It is something to prayerfully contemplate and build our devotion around and our worship of God upon. So. Dimensions. It, it expands how we perceive the dimensions of God's cosmic word. Second, it energizes how we perceive the dynamism of God's cosmic word. I'm sure you know many of you know this verse or can recall it, but in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it reads, The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword 
piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. And again, we always tend to think of this living and active word in relation to the scriptural text, which is fine because that's true. But in relation to this view of the cosmically vast wisdom and will of God, this living and active quality of God's word takes on a dynamism that is vibrant and reactive. For example, I mentioned earlier how part of the the wisdom within God's word probably includes physics. Imagine this living and active quality of God's word as applied to the areas of physics or biology. This living and active quality there would be considerably vibrant and reactive. And we're we're talking about cause and effect and chemical reactions on all scales, from the universal down to the local. Having this dynamic understanding of God's Word helps us visualize God's Word as more than just ink on pages, but as living laws, rules, codes, formulas, equations that scripted the universe into being. And to a certain degree, it makes me contemplate how science might not be the enemy of God's word, but rather a lexicon of natural revelation. But ultimately, being able to behold how the living and active word of God is energizing the universe and the world in which we live, it is a gift of wonder that fixes our gaze upon the God of the universe and invites us to worship. And then a third uh, possible uh, suggestion is that it enhances uh, um, visualizing the Word of God in, in these ways, enhances how we perceive the direction of God's cosmic Word. In the Enlightenment of the late 17th and 18th centuries, uh, new thinking began to separate. God's relationship with existence. And it kind of pushed God off to the to the background, uh, asserting that God was detached and absent and that existence was pretty much its own thing or it's on, or just on its own, you know, kind of like the kind of like a clock just allowed to tick tick tick. And the ideas that developed afterward began, uh, or the ideas that kind of came after this, they began to completely remove God from the, from the equation altogether. Uh, just uh, asserting that the universe was just operated according, uh, according to whatever nature decided to do. So it is very possible for us to look at the makeup of the universe and existence and to call it chance or random or to think that God's cosmic word is just scattered out there, bouncing around like some pinball. But the picture that the scriptures paint for us is that God's cosmic word is not directionless. The wisdom with a will within God's cosmic word is being aimed 
focused, sharpened, and concentrated on accomplishing something very specific. And the details of that specific something is a matter that is left for the special revelation of God's inspired word. But before it does, it lays enough breadcrumbs of natural revelation for us to trace back and see that God's wisdom and will were at work shaping how this universe and world would take on function and order for the sake of God's people. The scripture story has barely begun, and we've already seen here that this is a God who has so leveraged his wisdom and will to work out the history unfolding within his universe that he is likely a God who will not abandon his universe. This is a God whose cosmic word is going somewhere and is taking all existence on a journey where everything will add up to wonder and worship. So that is where we are going to conclude here today. I hope that the that these thoughts um, generated some thoughts in you. I thought I hope that this gives you a sense of value. I hope that you're able to kind of sit with the word of God in your hand and contemplate how there how the this word stems from the cosmic word of God that put all things into motion and to know that that cosmic word is living and active and that that cosmic word is what is holding all things together and sustaining all things and is displaying God's wisdom and will at work in the universe in big ways, down to the very small ways. So um, it, it, I think it's a really beautiful uh, imagery at work. I, I think it is a way to just, uh, you know, it's an invite. I, I just challenge you to take this information here today or these thoughts here today and allow it to inform your own prayer time, your own uh, way of, you know, just, you know, closing your eyes or not, and just, uh, you know, focusing your mind upon the God of the universe who put the universe into motion, who gave it shape, who gave it function, and who framed it for people like me, people like you. And I hope that allow that just to see how it kind of, it's kind of like what Psalm eight says that, uh, you know, how, uh, Oh, I'm forgetting how to quote it right here at the moment, but Psalm eight just kind of talks about how, you know, how splendorous the world, the universe is and how, when you, when you look at that, um, and then you look at how little we are, you know, it's just it's just a wonder to be able to think about how God cares about us and how God cares about you. And so I hope that you take that into your prayer time today. I hope it blesses. Um, so in our next episode, we should begin to dive into the specific functions of creation. And I thank you very much for joining me here today. I hope what you have heard uh, just really, like I said, adds value value that you need, value that you're after. I hope it stirs up your own devotion and worship and prayer life, gives you reason to praise. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. So I thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Wayward Podcast, where the word paves the way.
This is my story. This is my song. Raising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Raising my Savior all the day long.